tradition now to feature special things on our fifth Sunday service where we don't have a typical Sunday sermon during this portion of the service. And we, uh, as the elders thought and prayed about what would be appropriate for this particular Sunday, recognizing that it is Memorial Day weekend, we decided to mark that in our Sunday service. So we have a couple components. First of all, think about this. One definition of service is employment in duties or work for another. On this Memorial Day weekend, when we honor those who were not only employed in duties for us in the U.S. military, but sacrificially gave their lives in that service, to remember, we wanted to take this opportunity this morning to remember those related in various ways to TCF who are currently serving in the military. And so this morning we have two main components to this section of our service. First of all, we're going to highlight those men and women currently serving in some branch of the U.S. military service. And uh, we'll have an opportunity to see who they are and where they are and what they do. And secondly, we'll have an opportunity to hear from Mary Ligon about the relatively new organization that she's leading to serve the unique needs of those men and women who have served our country sacrificially and sometimes have the physical, emotional, and spiritual scars to show for it. Before we highlight those currently serving, I'd like to ask any of those who've ever served in some branch of the armed forces to stand or raise your hand so we can thank you for your service. Please stand or raise your hand so we can thank you for your service. We're, we're grateful to all of you for your time of sacrificial giving of yourselves during that time. You know, you don't have to be in favor of any current military action to appreciate what our men in the service do for us. Often during our prayer times, we pray for several people who are classified as serving in the military. And one thing we hope to accomplish this morning is to personalize these names just a little bit more so that all of us can know who they are and why they're praying for them. So first, let's look at uh, Daniel Diaz. Everybody remember Daniel? Some of you remember Daniel. Daniel is the son of Carlos and Carla. Carla is back here. Ray, Ray, wave your hand, Carla. Okay, Carla. Daniel's serving in the U.S. Army. He's serving in the Signal Corps. That's satellite communications is his specialty. He's currently uh, posted in Iraq. He's been there since September 2009. He's supposed to return here to the U.S. in about four to six months. He's asked for, and his mom has asked for prayer for his safety, for godly relationships, and stability in his faith. One of the neat things about this as we put this together this morning, I realized that some of these uh, young men and women we're featuring this morning, we've had in Bible Bowl, we've had in Children's Church, so some of you have taught them in Children's Church. They uh, were in a Bible Bowl with us, and now they're serving our country in various places around the world. Next, we have John Doyle. I don't think anybody here really knows John. Uh, John is in the U.S. Navy. He's the son of Joni Doyle Donahue. Some of you know who Joni is. Joni and her son David. David attends BASIC. He's serving in demolition and communications. He's currently posted in San Diego, but he's scheduled to be deployed to Afghanistan later this summer. And uh, we're going to pray for a clear direction about God's will for John Doyle. 
Next, we have Belinda Garrett. Belinda's the only one that we couldn't come up with a picture of, unfortunately. She's in the U.S. Army, Army and she's the daughter-in-law of Jim Garrett, Jr. She's serving as a translator of intercepted transmissions, and her current post is Arizona, and she's also there teaching other military translators. And we pray, pray for her for clarity in decision-making. Next, we have Nathaniel Ligon. Most of us know Nathaniel or have met Nathaniel at one time or another. Nathaniel's in the U.S. Marines. He's the son of Mary and Terry Ligon. He's serving as a data specialist, and he's just been deployed. He's in a classified overseas post aboard a Marine naval vessel, and life is difficult aboard this naval vessel. And crowded life on board makes sleep rather difficult. If we look at the next screen here, it's kind of an interesting story behind uh, these pictures. This is the date that uh, Nathaniel was deployed, so that those pictures are him on deployment day. And so he sent this email to, uh, to his mother and father with that middle picture. That's Sergeant Rodriguez. He said it was a couple of days ago. He's very adamant about no one sleeping in the TAC log. That's the tactical logistical group. And he fell asleep with a half-empty Red Bull can in his hands the other day. I was compelled to print out this sign and then take pictures. The entire platoon got in on it, and I was a hero for half a day. <laughs> so it says absolutely, I'm sorry, you can't read the sign. It says absolutely no sleeping in the tack log. <laughs> yeah, next we have Eric McDonough. Many of you remember Eric. He's the son of former TCFers Robert and Vicki McDonough, lived on the Jesus Inn block for many years. And uh, he's another one of my former Bible Bowl kids. He's serving in the Army National Guard as a human resources specialist, currently posted here in Oklahoma with the 90th Troop Command, scheduled to deploy to Egypt this October. And pray for Eric. We can pray for safety and a job following his time in the service and his time in school. Next we have John McLemore. John's in the U.S. Army. Now, he's the husband of Bob and Shirley McWilliams' granddaughter, Anna Sanders McLemore. Are you getting that relationship? Anna Sanders is Bill, uh, Bill Sanders' uh, granddaughter, okay, and David Sanders' daughter. So those of you who remember the Sanders family. He's serving as a chemical operations specialist, currently posted in Fort Sill, Lawton, Oklahoma, but he's going to be reassigned. He just re-upped for a career service in the uh, U.S. Army, and uh, so we need to pray for his upcoming reassignment and being able to sell their home in Lawton. Next, we have Stacy Roundtree. Stacy's in the Army National Guard. She's the daughter of former TCFer Connie Roundtree. Many of you remember Connie. Connie was our nursery director for many years. Stacy's another one of my former Bible Bowl kids. Many of you will remember her. She's serving in the military police in the Army National Guard, currently posted in Oklahoma City, but she is scheduled to deploy to Afghanistan next January. So obviously we want to pray for safety as she is deployed. Next we have Billy Sanders. Billy's in the Army National Guard. He's the grandson of Bob and Shirley McWilliams, also the grandson of TCF's first pastor, Bill Sanders, he's uh, David Sanders' son. He's serving as a radiology technician, 
currently posted here in Tulsa with the Army National Guard. And uh, there's a possibility that he'll be deployed to the Sinai Peninsula in October. And he asked for prayer for his family in his absence. And last but certainly not least, we have Josh Wright. Most of us know Josh. He's in U.S. Army Special Forces, the son of Gordon and Sue Wright, currently posted in Fort Bragg, North Carolina, and also currently a new dad. And if, uh, if you want to, uh, if you got about an hour and a half and you want to talk to Gordon, he'll show you a few pictures. Pray for Josh. We can pray for wisdom regarding a new position coming up this coming year. They're expecting to move him into a new position and effectiveness in ministry to his fellow soldiers. So, again, so often we pray for these members of the military, and some of us join right in and pray for them, but we don't really know who they are. Hopefully this will, next time we do that on a Sunday morning during our prayer time, will help us know who they are and who they're related to and why we pray for them. We're not just praying for people off the streets. They all have some relationship to TCF in some way. So let's just take a moment now and pray for these men and women who are serving in the military. Heavenly Father, we thank you for each one of these in the unique and varied roles that they fill. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for their families that have great concern for them, especially when they're deployed in dangerous places around the world. We pray for your peace for their families. We pray for your protection for each one of these, Lord God. We pray, Father, that this would be a season of their lives in which you would draw each one of them ever closer to you. Father, that they would uh, look to you as their source of supply and that you would meet them in a very real and a very special way. Thank you for each one, Lord. Minister your love and grace to them. Protect them. Provide for them. And provide for their families. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, we want now to uh, introduce Mary Ligon. Come on up, Mary. You know Mary and Terry. Were our missionaries to Lebanon for many years. They came back a few years ago. Mary's going to talk about that just a little bit. And uh, now Terry, of course, is very active ministering to the Tulsa Muslim community. And Mary has found a really new niche. And we thought it would be more than appropriate to give her a few minutes here and share with us in depth. We've prayed for this a little bit, but we'll be well armed for prayer after Mary shares a little bit more about what's going on. So thank you, Mary. It's green. Okay. Can anybody hear me? Shall I use this? One, two, three, four. Name. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Brian. I have to say something um, before I say something. Um, when you when you saw Nathaniel, um, you know you saw this long skinny picture. We're family, and so um, this stays in the family. But the reason that picture is long is because he cropped the girl, so we had to crop her too. <laughs> that was uh, that picture was taken on the day of the Marine Ball, 
and uh, the girl that went with him is uh, cropped, so we cropped the picture. Um, I have a unique history, and I realized this morning, I was just reviewing a little bit of um, sort of what's brought me to this point, and I hadn't really thought of this before, but I realized this morning how, how the Lord has had me in desert places, in wilderness places. Um, when I first responded to his call on my life in the ministry, I went to uh, Philadelphia Teen Challenge, where lived in a ghetto, and the building was so bad they condemned it and moved us out, and that the rats were, and the cockroaches, you could hear them running on the floor, and, you know, we had seven vehicles burned out um, in the ten months we lived in that first building, and, you know, that was a, a bit of a wilderness. Um, then the Lord took me from there to um, Egypt, where I became acquainted with the Sahara Desert. I became acquainted with poverty that I'd never seen before. Um, and a place where, at that point, that was before the Holy Spirit moved so wonderfully in Egypt, and it was a place of spiritual, um, a parched land spiritually in many, many ways. Um, we came back to the States, did some training, had, had um, Daniel here and then Nathaniel here, um, went back to Egypt, and um, we're in on a wonderful uh, time as the Holy Spirit was moving. Then, you know, we wound up in Lebanon, and, and that was, um, you know, my, my ministry focused a lot in the Bekaa Valley, and that was a, a wilderness spiritually as well. It was a, the headquarters of the, the Hezbollah, and it was a very dark place spiritually, and, um, but a wonderful, wonderful place to be at that time, uh, praying and, and um, sharing the gospel with different ones. But my life has been, I guess, an answer to a prayer that I prayed many years ago. Lord, please make me your voice and your heartbeat in wilderness places. And, um, you know, I never thought I would be in the wilderness that I am now. And a lot of you know our story. It's a wilderness I never would have sought. Um, it's a very, in a sense, an unreached people group in that there's a lot of stigma, a lot of shame in this people group. And um, most of you probably know that our older son, Daniel, um, who was also in the Marines, deployed twice to Fallujah, saw a lot of very, very tough things there. And then a year, um, a year after, less than a year after he returned to the United States and was honorably discharged, we lost Daniel to suicide, and so um, that's an area I can remember. It was within the first moments of receiving that telephone call in Beirut, and my heart was saying, "God, if you don't use this, it's nothing but waste." And you know, I really have cried out since then that the Lord would do something redemptive, something creative, and something beautiful out of something that, in the natural. Uh, is, is an absolute devastation, and you can't see anything of redemptive value in it. Um, like I said, Daniel was deployed in Iraq twice um, in Fallujah. This is when he was there. Daniel's buried at Fort Gibson, and um, that's we're coming up on his anniversary. This is actually a typo. The June 6th is my typo. He he was um, he died on June the 10th, so we're coming up on his third year. And where, that, where that's brought me to 
is a real heart as I've prayed um, and as I've experienced what it's like to be the mother of a, a combat troop who didn't survive the hidden wounds of war. It's brought me to have a real heart for these troops and their families. And um, if, if any of you are watching the news closely, there's more and more news coming out about the serious problem of um, post-traumatic stress disorder, major depression, traumatic brain injuries. Traumatic brain injury is the signature injury of, uh, of this war, these conflicts, and of the suicide rate that is increasing in our troops. Um, you may not have known, Last year, this is a, a startling statistic, but last year, more of our American troops died by suicide than died combined in combat in Iraq and Afghanistan. More of our troops last year died by their own hand than at the hands of the enemy. Um, you may have seen Time Magazine just a few weeks ago on the cover where I've forgotten exactly what the subtitle was, but the gist of that article is, what to do, suicide in the, U in the U.S. military. And, and the top psychiatrists, the top generals, the top commands are, are saying we're, built, we're bewildered, we're baffled, we don't understand, and we don't know what to do about it, and all of our best efforts are, efforts are failing, and the suicide rate continues to increase. Um, this year we're on track to surpass that number from last year that uh, where more troops died by suicide than died from the enemies, from the conflicts themselves. And we're, we're passing that number up yet again. Uh, for the first time in military history, the Marines now have surpassed the other branches in percentage of suicides among, among Marines. So we have a real problem on our hands. And, and I, I hate to be the one, you know, kind of follow-up VBS video and wonderful uh, Larrabee report there, uh, but I do have good news. Um, it's always hard for me to get up and be the be the uh, one who speaks on a subject that's very sobering. But, you know, we have a mission field getting off the airplane every day um, in the United States, and it's a growing mission field. It's a, it's a, a field of young military and, and their families who are largely dis disillusioned with church. Um, it's a culture completely different than the Vietnam vets, the veterans of, uh, you know, former conflicts. We have a group of very jaded um, a lot of very jaded military folks coming home. Most of them are from broken families. 90% um, of the Army, I'm not sure about other branches, but 90% of the Army are from uh, backgrounds that are under uh, undereducated and also um, poorer backgrounds economically. So a lot of our troops come home, they have no families to come home to. Um, the economy's hard, they have a difficult time finding jobs. They've been in combat situations, multiple deployments and combat that just is, is um, very, very, very intense. And come home, and before they have a chance to recover their resiliency, they're deployed again. Um, research is showing that about 20% of the Army troops in Afghanistan are on antidepressants, uh, sleep medications, anti-anxiety drugs. And most of those are labeled that you shouldn't operate heavy machinery while you're using those medications and they're day in, day out having to, having to fight and be ready for combat. Um, anyway, I could go on and on about that, but the good news is that we, we have an answer as a church 
that the government can never meet. I mean, I think the VA is doing their best and the government's doing its best, but this is a problem that ultimately we as a church need to get ahead of. Um, I'm on the advisory board of the Veterans Initiative in Tulsa and active in some of the um, agencies in Tulsa that are seeking to do what can be done for our troops that are coming back. But, you know, as I prayed about what could be done, I began to think, what, what was Daniel saying? Um, I was with Daniel the last three months of his life, except for the last three weeks when he was down at Shepherd Air Base um, where he'd switched his reserves. And, you know, I thought about what, did, what was Daniel saying, and I, and I think about what are troops that I talk to now saying. And one of the things is that connection is, is important. There's, sorry, I forget. I'll get to that. Connection's important because if you don't have a sense of connection, you become disconnected. And our troops come back to Tulsa. We don't have a military base. Our troops come back, they don't have anybody to connect to who, who understands, nobody to really talk to. And pretty soon they, they take their combat experiences and those things that they really need to get out and talk about, and they just stop them because no one understands. And people just, when they find out you've been to Iraq, uh, Daniel told me, and he's not the first, that people ask you questions like, was it hot over there? Did you kill anybody? Uh, was it worth it? It's pretty demoralizing questions that cause you to just clam up and not say anything else. So connecting is very important. Um, honoring our troops. Many of them come back and feel like the war is dragged out. People don't really care anymore. They're tired of watching it. Um, let's just turn to a different channel. And they don't feel their service was, was appreciated. Many of them feel that way. Or that people come up and say, thanks for your service. Nice to have you back home. They walk off. And, and that's it. Um, do I have a job? Do I have a future? Do I have a place to live? Um, all these questions, this, which leads us to support. Um, the coffee bunker that, we're, um, that you've heard of, one, one thing that we want to do in there is also provide the support. It's a, it's a facility that we're, we're opening, hopefully get it open this summer, where our troops can come and meet with each other, where their families can come, where, where they can connect put up their feet, talk with each other, find people who understand, and therefore gain that peer support, which is so important. And um, also that the families can be supported because the families suffer when the troops are suffering. Um, one thing I did want to bring in, one thing unique about us as a ministry is that we're doing something that we've not been able to be found, that we've not found in the rest of America, in that we're providing support to families of those who have to the families surviving the suicide of one of their loved ones. Um, this is actually something very unsupported in, in um, military circles. In fact, we're working now on something called House Resolution 1226, which is actually to appeal a law that exists in our country that forbids the, pres the President of the United States to write a letter of condolence to the family of a combat troop who has died by suicide. And it's forbidden by law in our country for the president to honor the service, to thank the family for the service. And so, you know, families who, who lose a combat troop to suicide are also, you know, not only the regular social stigma and, and all those complexities, but they're also very much made to feel like a, a kind of a national disgrace. And so we really seek to address that. And another reason that's important is because families who survive 
the suicide of a loved one are much, much more likely to take their own lives. For every one person who dies by suicide, seven to ten people are intimately affected. If seven to ten are intimately affected, and, and let's say seven to ten people took their own lives after losing the first one, and then that multiplied, you have the potential of 49 to 100 people being affected twice removed from the first one who, who took their own lives. And if you want to ask me about that later and some of the whys, I'd be happy to answer any questions. But it's a, it's a huge ripple effect, and it kind of makes me think as a Christian as sin's going down from generation to generation that the ripple effect here and the stronghold that it can gain in a family is huge. So connection, honor, support, uh, we've identified tw- uh, 14 different types of support that can be met in uh, support groups, with peer support, with um, professionals in the city and ministers in the city who are ready to donate their counseling services. Also something we're really excited about because substance abuse and uh, family problems and all these are so, so prevalent is that we're partnering with Southern Hills Baptist Church and their Celebrate Recovery Program, their 12-step programs. Um, Resources, we, we have resources, again, people resources, mentors, um, helpers. Any problem that someone comes into the coffee bunker and has, we can find a way to help meet that need. And um, renewal, our fifth, our fifth point here, again, it's, this is a mission field, and even though we're a quote-unquote a secular organization in that we're organizing as a nonprofit and involving the community, it's very much a mission field. It's, a, it's the kind of mission field I love, where it's Christians being salt in the midst of society, where we'll have people volunteering who are Christians and non-Christians, uh, people coming in, the troops coming in, won't be boys coming for Bible, uh, vacation Bible school or Sunday school. It'll be men and women with needs, and um, we have a temporary location. Um, we're training volunteers, and... It's got some pictures. Again, this is temporary, and um, because we're opening in the summer, you don't see a lot of our um, troops in there and their families. But we did have, we've had a couple of open houses just to expose it to the community. This is what it's looking like. This is the coffee bar. You see it, and um, some of our friends there from the open house. These open houses that invite you, uh, I put a poster out every month. We cover topics like this week we covered PTSD and uh, kind of what that looks like. One of our Vietnam veterans spoke about his experience with PTSD in Vietnam and what happened to him. And um, it's a really nice place. There's pool tables and ping pong and foosball and air hockey and nice little coffee bar that you saw up there. It's a place just to come in and relax, to be loved, to be welcomed, to be connected, to be honored, to be supported, to be resourced, and ultimately to be renewed, and ultimately to hear about the Lord. So I would just really ask you, Oh, this is uh, one of my main guys here, Brian. He fought in Fallujah, he fought in Fallujah the same time Daniel did, and so uh, I met him at the YMCA when I was working there, and we, we became friends, and now he's kind of a right-hand guy, really good guy. This is our goal. Welcome home successfully. You may recognize Jan Dunn, some of you. This is Jan and Andy. Andy was deployed three times in Iraq and Afghanistan. Now back. They're on our advisory committee. Jan's our prayer coordinator. <coughs> And um, this is a picture we want to go from of seeing we want to meet people in their mental health with the Lord and with the good news before we see them going to mental illness. We want to impact this rising suicide rate in a way that only the community can do, only we can do it. Um, I wonder, 
you know, would, would Daniel still be here today if Coffee Bunker had been here yesterday? And I just want to really challenge us as a church that not to let, not to let, not to let the government and the city take our place, but we have something to give these troops of the Lord and healing that uh, no one else can give. And so I just really love to invite you to get involved. We're volunteer staff. We're trained the volunteers in skilled listening, uh, mental health first aid, uh, suicide awareness, intervention and prevention. Um, I forgot the other one. Several training modules will train you um, and just invite you. We're totally funded by donations. We're volunteer staff. I'm full-time, also volunteer. And um, just really appreciate your prayers. We've got a lot on the front burner to be done at once of um, incorporating as a 501c3, finishing the legalities, getting our board together. Most of all, getting the volunteers, the training, and getting people who have a real heart of passion for this and a heart of passion to bring the Lord to these broken young men and women who came home, uh, who are coming home. I just want to close with, um, we understand something of spiritual warfare and the warfare of, of rolling up the sleeves, how it all works together. And I just like to say our troops have fought for us. And no matter what our political persuasion, no matter how we feel about the war, we have a, we have a mission field coming back. And our troops have fought for us, and it's our turn to fight for them. We need to be praying for Mary, don't we? Let's, uh, any who'd like to, why don't you come up and let's just lay hands on Mary and pray for her. Uh, let's make this an ongoing thing. And let me also mention that, uh, you know, she cited the need for volunteers. You don't have to be a professional counselor. There's all kinds of practical things that need doing. And so if you have a heart for this ministry and there's just little ways you feel like you can fit in, just see Mary and I'm sure she'd be fi- happy to find something to do for you, right? Okay. I've asked Gordon to come and pray over Mary here. Lord, we just want to thank you for the work that you're doing through our sister, just the compassion and the heart that you've given her for these men, that you are turning things, how you use things, that it seems to us are not usable and turn them for good and turn them for your glory. So, Lord, we pray for strength. We pray for wisdom. Uh, We pray for the ministry of healing that you're doing in our sister as you're moving through her. God, we pray for that. We pray for you to bring these things to completion. God, we pray that you would lead those uh, who have this need to this resource and that you would make those divine connections, and that you, O Lord, would minister uh, to our troops. We do pray for those who are hurting, those who are in pain, those who feel alone, who feel lost, uh, who have no uh, resource. We pray, Lord, that you would meet them in a sovereign fashion. We pray for Terry and Mary both. We pray for the call of God upon their lives, yes, Lord. the diversity that's occurred here, and yet you Thank are using you, them in a mighty way. Yes, God. We pray that you would continue mm-hmm. in Thank Jesus' name. Thank pray you, for the Father. peace of God that passeth all understanding Lord, yes, Lord. to keep their hearts centered Lord, in yes, Christ yes, in the midst God. of these times. Yes, 
We bless them in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Mary.